1: G'day and welcome back to the Farms Advice Podcast where we talk everything agribusiness. Whether you're a newbie or a long-time listener, we really appreciate you coming along for the journey. And wanting to grow your own agribusiness there at home. Now, for this week's episode, we speak to Peter Van Yarsfield from starting out in Aussie Ag with his family moving to Australia, and to becoming a 2021 Nuffield Scholar with his research into rangeland goats. With the limited travel during COVID times, he is focused on the domestic market for his research currently. With goats, a massive money spinner for la. For large pastoralists and farmers across Australia, this is sure one to listen to, but also to follow along with Peter's journey as it will take a few years for him to get his research finalised. He looks into establishing solid foundations through the associations of talking to others in the industry and also improving the genetic lines within his herd and the country's. There's a bit on his plate, so let's get into it and see what he's up to. Peter, how are you going, mate? Yeah, good mate. Really good to have you on. I've seen what you've been up to on LinkedIn and also social media. But how I discovered you more so is probably you're enough field scholar for 2021. How's everything going up your way?
0: Yeah, no thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, mate. Um, yeah, so everything's sort of kicking off as, as fast as it can, uh, especially with COVID and, and all that. Uh, when I got the scholarship, so um, so far everything's ticking all along, pretty. Um, Pretty good, we're doing as much as we can online, Um, a lot of events that we're trying to collaborate online and and learn as much as we can uh, in the current times, but other than that, um, yeah, there's um, some plans for some domestic travel that's going to happen, just to use that time uh, wisely before we can get overseas, Um, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's all a work in progress at
1: the moment. Yeah, well, I think it's a good thing to be a part of. Every Everyone that I see comes out of Nuffield, um, are absolutely killing it within the industry. So good on you for getting that done for this year. But before we get down into like what you do for your agribusiness on farm, just give us a bit of a background story to yourself and your education and where your connection comes into agriculture.
0: Yeah, Um. so... I was obviously born in South Africa and then we moved down to Australia back in 2001. So I was pretty young, only about four years old. And uh, we lived in Melbourne for a few years, but our family all comes from uh, farming lines back over back over in South Africa. So um, it's sort of been something in the family for a long time. Uh, we, yeah, we lived in Melbourne for probably about eight years and then uh, we moved up north and, and we bought a property uh, where we are now, just sort of outside Warwick, close to Inglewood. Uh, we mostly started there with um, cattle uh, for quite a few years, and then we had the drought. Um, I had some goats before then, but it wasn't anything too serious, um, and then, yeah, I had the cattle and the drought, and we moved everything up to adjustment in Rockhampton, um, and it just got worse then. We sold everything off. Um, that's kind of when I sort of took that and scaled a bit further more in, into the goats, and then where I am now. But Uh, School-wise, I I just went to school at, um, I went to a few different schools through all that traveling, but finished most of my high school out at Nudgee in Brisbane. Um, And from there, I went to UQ and I did a dual degree in sustainable ag and agribusiness. And um, this year, I'm just kicking on with uh, my honors for that. Um, And so along with my honors and then, uh, yeah, the Nufffield scholarship, which was unreal to, to receive as well. So. That's pretty much what I've done uh, in the past in, uh, in a basic sort of sense. And um, it sort of kicked off to where I am now in the research side of, of my industry. And, um, and then also, yeah, my, uh, I guess the business that I started and things like that.
1: Yeah, amazing. So when you first moved from Melbourne up to Inglewood to Warwick ish way, um, were you straight like, is from a farming background or you just said, stuff it, let's go buy a farm up north? Um,
0: yeah, so like I said, the only real big farming background that we had was into Africa. Um, when we moved to Australia, it took us, took my, my parents obviously a few years to um, to save that money to get back into what they love doing, which was farming and giving us children the opportunity to um, get back on farm as well. Uh, I do have older sisters which um, are all into, well, most of them are in, into um, farming and stuff as well. One's a quite a big black garlic growing in the Mornington Peninsula in, in Melbourne um but yeah that it that was sort of the idea along that so it wasn't until we moved up north um that we had the opportunity that uh, my dad bought the property um in between that we still had some some farming that we were doing uh back overseas um but that sort of all came um to an end um while we were still living in melbourne um and so since then it was just something that we uh really wanted to do but yeah it was all about you know, getting money in a new country and um, dad having the opportunity to to build that foundation for the rest of us.
1: Well, it's the perfect foundation to build off, opening up like a lot of opportunities for yourself as the children, um, but also for themselves coming into agriculture. The diversity, and as you said, you've worked with cattle and now you're on to improving the goat system there up in Warwick, near Inglewood. Um, but let's talk about your goat, your goats what are you doing with them sunset hill boar goats is this like did you get into goats because of the climate
0: um so the goat side of it really was um obviously a bit of history um from our side um with being in the goat sort of background back to africa Um, so that obviously came from my dad's sort of experience having done that sort of in the past but when I was on the property there it was it was actually a way for me to get into agriculture without um, obviously having a lot of money so um, obviously the cattle business was the big family part of the business um, and for me it was a way to diversify and sort of create something for myself at the same time so um, I took some of the money that I had back then which wasn't wasn't very much and I bought my first five or ten stud does um, and they were all boar goats and from there I sort of just kept breeding them up on the side and, and enjoying that sort of industry and learning a bit more about it. Obviously understanding that in Australia it was not as big of an industry as it was overseas. Um, and obviously goats were looked upon in a different light here yeah. um, compared to overseas. So I guess in that way you kind of saw the opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, it sort of just slowly started growing. I got onto the board for the Ball Goat Breed Association for um, a year or two there, actually probably just a year. Um, and, yeah, sort of slowly got an idea a bit more of where the industry is going, what the opportunities are. Um, and then I kind of saw value in, well, you yeah, know, this is an industry that, has, that can develop quite, um, quite fast. So um, I ended up taking more of that, more money that we had in the business. And, and Dad sort of saw the opportunity that, of what I was doing with breeding the boar goats. And we, we expanded. We basically invested more into the goats. Um, we bought some ferals. We bought more boars. Um, and then we sort of established the stud and that business where we can sort of sell direct to consumer um, and direct to market. And so we slowly started establishing that um, stud side and then obviously the crossbreed side. Um, and now we're sort of looking at um, where my research comes in and in, in, in trying to improve those genetics and, and bring the industry further. So um, yeah, it was a slow, slow development, but um, it was basically seeing the opportunity of this market uh, being able to grow. And as you can see in the last sort of two years, goats have just gone absolutely crazy. So, um, being a bit ahead of that craze has been a real benefit, um, but it also an opportunity to see heaps of people um, wanting to invest in the industry and how we can actually all work together to take it further. So, that was really, um, I guess, how it all came together.
1: Yeah, I think like goats have come in and out um, just to like the wild goats, pastoralists selling them on and not keeping any. But I think during this time, there's they've kept a fair few, as it is bringing in consistent income now, with goats fetching nearly a couple hundred dollars or even more in the market. Yeah, um, definitely. But for you as a stud and as a breeder, how like have you seen a real increase into like getting boars, boar billy goats, or?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think you know when I started selling animals, so I was selling and things for, you know, maybe 200 or 300 bucks. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Um, You know, that's great price. But obviously, you know, the money that you pay to have boars and breed boars, they're they're not a cheap animal to start animal. It's an expensive animal to raise. Um, And it it has a lot of benefits, don't get me wrong. But at that price, it probably wasn't necessarily profitable. Um, But now with the huge craze of people looking for that quality genetics to put through their herds, their large herds of feral animals, um, it's just driven them price up so much more. And I think, you know, the latest two years, we've started having sales up in Queensland, um, auctions, which is awesome because that hasn't really occurred much. And um, now you're sort of seeing your baseline price for stud bucks between that $800 and $1,000. So um, it's really gone up, um, and which actually makes it actually uh, a, a competitive industry now. So in my side, that's a great benefit for me. But um, really, it's still balls are a very expensive animal to, to own. Um, and, to, and to raise so um, obviously the benefit there is yeah they, they have a huge improvement um, in your rangeland um, herds but the, the thing that we sort of want to drive now is actually proving well how do their genetics improve those animals and what sort of genetics do we want from the ferals and what do we want from the boars and, and really what's the best cross that you're looking for or what's the best animal because in this in the industry at the moment there really is no data um, and there's no accurate data and and breeders and, and pastoralists are sort of just buying animals um, from hearsay and sort of what they think it might do. And, yeah, there might be some physical improvements, but um,
1: what's the data actually showing it? So that's kind of what we want to focus on. It's probably where you become more advantageous. Like, you, you can actually start to set the data yourself rather than just going off appearance. Um, so then you know, like, that data is true and correct rather than having 100 years of misinformed data. Um, that could send your genetics a bit skewed. But for your rancher goats, what sort of traits are you looking for?
0: Well, at the moment, obviously everything in the industry is driven by what the market wants. And, and as much as I'd love to say the market is set on it, just wants this, this and this, that also fluctuates a lot. So um, in a broad sense, a lot of people are looking for that carcass that's you know dress weight sort of around the <laughs> 20 kilos. Um, and that's an ideal um, sort of what people are working towards in their breeding operations for market. Um, obviously my intention is to try and understand why people want a lighter carcass um, and less money for it uh, when we can breed animals like in any other industry that are heavier carcass and better quality and we should be getting more money where at the moment you your heavier animals um, and you're better well I would say better quality, but just in terms of weight so, If you heavier carcass animals, you're actually getting less money at the avatar for example, if you're selling um, to that market. So um, right there is probably where your biggest challenge is already. So when we're looking for traits, obviously, you want to be looking for that lighter carcass. um, But the key with putting the board genetics in is you want to reach that carcass weight faster. So, yeah, we're not necessarily going to be aiming for the heavier carcass, but we're going to be aiming to get to that 20 kilos much, much faster than we are with just breeding your rangeland. And obviously you're looking at your consistency in genetics as well. Your rangeland animals are absolutely awesome, um, built for the condition, but you're sort of lacking that consistency because they're obviously a breed that's been um, created through a heap of mixed breeding. So um, you want to try and form a bit more consistency um, and you want to pick traits that you know necessarily suit you. So for me, for example, you want to look at um, really high um, weaning weights and you want to have that fast um, to that market weight reached faster. Um, but other people are looking at worm resistance and they're looking at fat scores. Um, so there's a heap of different EBVs that people can be looking for. But if you're looking at just, you know, what most people are selling off to market, it's about reaching that market weight of about 20 kilos carcass as fast as
1: possible. What's the yield on a 20 kilo carcass? Is that over 50% or?
0: Yeah, so on your goats, you'd probably be looking at getting sort of between yeah, you know, I'd say broadly 45 to 50%, but a lot of the time it's probably closer to that
1: 48%, 50%. Yeah, that's quite good coming off ranging Goats though, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you have the country to run goats, which is obviously a lot more browse than it is grazing. So if you've got a lot of regrowth and, and trees and stuff like that, um, they perform really well. Um, and they really put on the right sort of um, weight that you want. So if your country is built for. Obviously, they can adapt to a heap of different locations, um, and that's why you sort of find them everywhere. But um, if you have the right sort of country, um, you'll be breeding animals uh, to get to that weight a lot faster and probably less cost as well.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then talking about your ranging guys, and you're feeding these into direct to consumer. How's this all come a place? Is it like paddock to plate, order in a box? How's that work?
0: Yeah, so it's sort of um, something that's still been in development for the last sort of few years. But um, yeah. basically, the idea is to um, raise, it's all sort of being focused on boar goats to start off with, because that's originally all I started with before I expanded into crossbreeding with beryl. Um, but yeah, it's basically having the animals slaughtered um, at the abattoir, having it processed and packaged and um, selling into retailers. Um, in Brisbane and the things like that at the moment. Not a huge. It's not. It's not huge at the moment. It's not something I would claim to. Everyone can go into the shops and find and buy. But yeah. it's a way of testing the market and and trying to differentiate differentiate the market, um, and actually educate consumers about well firstly goat meat, um, and secondly the quality of goat meat as well. You know, um, my ball goats. You know, um, may not necessarily be the best ball goats there are, but um, the idea is to try and, and and get data behind the idea of well all goats have a different quality meat to your rangelands or to your dairy goats or whatever breed it is, doesn't matter. Um, it, just like in beef and in sheep or your sheep or your, your cattle breed, all their meat qualities are different, obviously, you know, you have your Angus and in whatever else. Um, so it's about trying to educate the consumer, well, hey, when you go and buy a goat, it's not just goat. Um, you've actually got different qualities and you've actually got um, different breeds which taste different and, and et cetera, et cetera. So, alongside just trying to educate the market by doing simple things like that um, and testing the market for myself and and for research, really. Um, It's also about further trying to get more data on on the actual carcasses itself and the different breeds and trying to actually understand, well, what is these qualities and then what is the difference?
1: Yeah, for like going to consumers, how are you like trying to educate them a bit on even like how they cook it? Is it, am I going to use it as goat stew, goat steak? Do I want a fatty piece of goat meat yeah. or does it need to be a bit leaner? Like, how are you going about that? Yeah, definitely. Research?
0: Well, at the moment, it's basically um, just selling. Well, so at the moment I sell just boar goat meat. Um, yeah. And it's it's really just about people trialling it and, and tasting it and seeing how it goes for them. Um, it's trying to compete with people and, and say, well, when you go to the butcher shop, you're just buying a goat, which is everything chucked in one bag. Here's boar goat meat, taste it and see how you go. Obviously, um with that you know once it, there's an actual market there and it's something i can actually expand into which is hopefully the goal um it is definitely about how you cook it and, and the different cuts i think it's it's underestimated in the sense that people sort of want to just stew it all the time especially if you're buying rangeland goats <laughs> all the time which don't get me wrong have beautiful meat but um a lot of the time people are eating just feral goats which they don't know where they come from how they're being raised or how old they are or Or anything like that so um you're obviously going to have fluctuations in the quality and the taste there so um it's about understanding well goat can be eaten just like lamb um you can breed goats to actually be fat they're not all just lean meat um and they can have the intramuscular fat and things like that so um and that's all about i guess selling a product that people can see the actual difference um but yeah definitely trying to have a social presence and, and try and educate people um on how they can eat it and what and how to prepare it and things like that as well. So um, although that's not necessarily so big in my of of what I'm doing just yet, um, I'm actually trying to focus on probably getting more data behind it first before I I go out and educate people um, and try to, as an industry, I guess, help educate people correctly. Um, But that's sort of the intention anyway.
1: Yeah, so you're trying to get your product um, up to scratch before going in, educating, just in case you're using the wrong product.
0: Exactly right and I mean for me the biggest thing is um I I don't know that boar goats are necessarily better than rangeland goats or angoras or any other breed I don't you know everyone can stake their claim and, and and believe what they want and say what they want and you know some people are collecting you know basic data here and there but um there's not actual um data that's being collected through the whole supply chain to actually back any claims on on what are the different qualities and what are the different tastes and what are the benefits of each breed and and how their their meat can be characterized. So it's really important to understand that first. And maybe it is a crossbred animal that performs the best and tastes the best and things like that. So really, it's going to be super, super important about getting the data first before you make any of those decisions. And, And my biggest thing is not, and with the research and everything I do, is to make sure that the data that's being pushed into the industry at the moment and to consumers and customers is that it's correct. Um, And that it's the right data and that's the data that's going to drive the industry forward and that everyone can have their breeding plan um, more accurate and more informed based on the data that not only I collect, but hopefully more researchers um, start collecting data as well. So um, I want to see the whole industry go forward in a positive light and I don't want sort of any, you know, wrong information sort of put out there or information that's not backed by um, some real research, which we're sort of lacking in the industry at the moment. Um, so for me, it's going to be yeah, super crucial to make sure we make a lead way in putting out the right information. I mean, examples of that are a lot of animals being sold in the hype of it all, um, or the hype of goats going on. And it sort of puts a strain on other people who breed really quality animals. Um, and I've seen that happen. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily at the point where I sell a lot just because I'm, I'm in the middle of breeding and research. But uh, I see it a lot with other breeders I'm friends with and other people in the industry who aren't breeders as well or who aren't stud breeders that they're trying to sell animals and they're competing with people who sort of just buy a goat here and buy a goat there and put them together and sell it for the money that goats are going crazy for at the moment. But in the long term, that's putting everyone in jeopardy because we don't have any um, quality control behind it really. We don't have data or or any strong things in place um, to prove, well, this is the kind of quality animals we should be breeding and this is the data you should have behind it and this is the DBVs and and et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot to happen still. but it is super, super exciting, and it's an opportunity to do it right and work with other industries and learn from other industries um, to do it correctly and, and really put our um, industry in a super competitive place that's consistent and reliable um, internationally and domestically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It won't, ha- it won't happen overnight, but what you're working up to um, really put your front foot forward for that case. But, like, how's the association for goat breeders? Is it an inclusive community, or is it a growing one at the moment, where you're trying to find your feet a bit? Have you had much input there? Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: look, I, like I said, I've, I've been on a board before um, with them, which wasn't wasn't necessarily for the full stint. But um, look, the industry itself is always in its infancy, and I think um, the challenges there—it's like any industry, I guess. Any, you know, the cattle. Cattle industry or sheep or whatever you want to want to go into they've all got their politics um, and that's sort of something that probably um can put some industries behind i mean you know the the benefit from that is everyone's got a passion obviously you know if there's politics and there's conflict it's because people are passionate about where the industry needs to go um which is great to see but um i think what's been happening sort of you know for the last you know maybe 15 20 years in the industry hasn't really brought us super Um, far forward I guess so you know there's parts of the community that are super inclusive there's a heap of parts of the community or the industry itself that's up and coming there's a lot of young people getting in the industry and it's not necessarily you know our age you know talking about people who are still in their you know 40s and 50s who are are getting into it now and and putting having a great input Um, and these young people in the industry can sort of see um, where it needs to go and how to develop and they're putting their their voice out there and they're starting to see change and make change and influence the people that have sort of controlled and locked it for a very long time. Um, and trying to get them to realize, well, Hey, if we want to move forward, things need to change. So there is, yeah, there's a lot of politics going on, but as you can see, things are really starting to
1: change for the goat industry. And I think it's going to, it's going to affect it in a a positive way. Yeah, definitely. And with yourself in the lead of it, I'm sure it will. What, What do you think the biggest challenges are for yourself and the industry in the next five years?
0: Well, I think one of the biggest challenges is definitely going to be, uh, you know, a lot of the animals that are being sold in this hype, you know, the hype's going to go down. And I think one of the biggest things to me is people who are, you know, big station owners and and big people who own a lot of numbers. It's going to be hopefully not too bad, but I think the challenge will definitely be if the animals don't perform to what they expected. Yep. and they sort of have a negative input on the, uh, on the goat industry because the animals they purchased didn't have the backing behind it to start off with and didn't have the data, and they, and they didn't have an informed decision when purchasing. So hopefully that doesn't affect too much, but that's probably one of the biggest things. I think having a, 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 an industry that stands alone um, is going to be one of our biggest challenges. I think we're always grouped into the sheep category. Um, we've always been grouped into an industry that just breeds feral goats here and there or they harvested and they just sold off and and that's all the industry is good for. So I think the biggest thing is going to be um, perception of customers and consumers um, and bringing a data informed and reliable consistent product will probably be one of our biggest aims Um, and obviously a huge feat to to try and achieve and a really big challenge. Um, There's just so much research that will need to go into it, a lot of investment that will need to go into it um, and hopefully there'll be a lot of interest in people in, in developed industries already Um, to see the value in developing our industry as one on its own, one that can stand on its own and can compete, um, but also be a benefit to the economy um, if it's actually developed correctly. So I think, that's probably one of the biggest things. And you can go deeper into that about, you know, the ag tech that's necessarily available for goats or the management systems or just farming practices or handling of animals or, and medicine, you know, there's not very many labeled items for goats and all those sorts of things that, that sort of sets our industry a little bit back because we haven't got all the tools and resources that the others necessarily do at the moment. Um, but, you know, with all of us in here that are really keen to see it, it get to that level, um, I think things will be changing. Um, you know, pretty quickly, but that is definitely going to be our, our biggest challenge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then coming into a good season as well. Um, it's a very very good time to keep keep your goats and fatten them up um for market as well, for domestic and also international. Have you like you sell paddock to plate direct to consumer, but are you looking into export markets, what they're sort of chasing? <clears throat>
0: Yeah, so I think part of my research hopefully will be to sort of understand more what that market actually wants. Obviously we're just selling a lot of our um, carcasses um, overseas already, you know, we're the biggest exporter um, of goat meat and um, that's, you know, all our items are just going, that feral goat harvesting that's basically just going overseas. So I haven't done any export myself for meat. For example, there's other breeders who've, who've exported their animals live for breeding um, and things like that overseas, which is a bit of a market there. But um, in, in all honesty, the biggest market that's gonna be dominated um, export wise is just that rangeland market at the moment. And that's because it's probably a bit more consistent and there's a bit more, obviously there's more supply of those animals, but that's not a long-term thing either. Um, you know, you've got all these animals that have just been harvested consistently and, and not many kept back for breeding that we'll be looking at challenges there where there won't be enough animals to breed. Um, or there'll be a lack of diversity in genetics um, if we don't start focusing on on retaining these animals and breeding them um, and not just harvesting and selling for that quick dollar so um, obviously there's benefits to running these animals and diversifying them um, on your property because yeah they are a quick cash flow but you really got to focus on a breeding program and, and sustain those numbers otherwise it will just be you know something that will dwindle away I think so um, but yeah, that, that's sort of the one thing that dominates that export market. And hopefully that's something that does develop further. But I think to do that, we're going to need a, a sustainable supply um, and we're going to need a consistent supply and some consistent quality. And we're going to need to know what the international markets want on a consistent basis because they sort of, they change quite a lot. A lot of the times they didn't care what the animal looked like as long as it was this weight um, and, and they bought it. But now there's there's talks of, other countries looking at, at animals who do have a brown head and a white body for example um, and that could change tomorrow again so trying to understand um, what that international market wants is going to be obviously crucial.
1: Yeah and working along with that um, will be very important and then also working with the large pastoralists that are running goats to get them to stay within the market and not just flogging them off when the money's good and then it drops through the floor um, but like over the few years, you've seen some good consistency. They performed throughout the drought pretty well, didn't they?
0: Yeah, no, drought times, like, you know, the goats were on our, my place anyway. Their sheep, there was still some cattle and, and obviously the goats. So the goats just outperformed. They did really well. Obviously, the Dorpers did pretty good, but the goats still outperformed. They were they were fat as anything, and it was honestly like a desert. I'd uh, never seen it that, that dry before. Um, but again, because we had a lot of regrowth and things like that, um, and a little bit of supplement uh, they really did perform but I guess um, even now like um, we're coming into a good season but they have just as many challenges as your other animals you know had good rain there's good grass um, which is awesome but you know you're gonna have you know you now have your worm problems, and your other challenges so there's always going to be a challenge but um, yeah definitely I think you know as an animal and as, as that's going to um, help perform in your business and diversify. Goats are a, a great way to go. Um, they really do perform well in the drought, um, and they don't they don't overcompete with your other animals. Um, so they really do work well alongside whether you're doing sheep or, or cattle or whatever else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My family actually had a goat stud in, must be mid-90s, 95 or something when I was younger, Dar- Darling River Goats. Um, but we had to give that up when it was 15 $20 a head and it just wasn't working out enough at that time. But it's exciting for you to take charge for your own enterprise, but also to get that backing, that research into the boar goats. Where where do you want to see it in five to 10 years? Do you want to be ordering a posh goat meal at a restaurant or you want to be getting the goat schnitzel?
0: Yeah, I think... um... Five years time, I you know I don't know if it's ever going to be enough time, but it would be great to see the industry on its own. I think you know it's not just about the bull goats for me. Yeah, that's that's sort of the animals I've picked, um, and I, I have my rangelands and my and my bull goats and things like that. But it's really for me, it's about establishing the industry as one on as its own, um, and it's about having um, products out there that yeah you can just um, order your individual you know, necessarily breed or or whatever type of goat um, in your fancy restaurants. Yeah, some of your fancy restaurants sell your goat goat and um, meat and dishes and things like that already, but it's not to the scale that I think is going to make us sustainable. So um, I think having a well-known brand um, established and being able to drive that in the market will obviously definitely be the goal. Um, And who knows what else comes out of the goat industry? I mean... Yeah, we're focused on, you know, there's there's obviously the goat industry in terms of dairy and and fibre and things like that is already quite big. Um, And the meat industry is coming there slowly, but, you know, who else, who knows what else sort of comes out of it. But um, for me, it's definitely going to be a push to have us on our own two feet in five years' time, Um, have an established established, uh, industry and obviously have something where we can differentiate between our breeds, our qualities. Um, we have a set goal that um, we work towards as an industry of, of breeding quality animals um, and how those look and what's the best way to go about it. Have support around genetics and breeding um, and management of these animals. Um, and that's sort of, hopefully that's a, that's a achievable five year goal. Um, yeah. And then hopefully from there on,
1: it can uh, grow even further. Yeah, beauty. Well. It's looking really good what you're up to. I'm sure like I'll be following along your research um, that you get up to. It'd be good to see how we can improve the goat industry as a whole for people right across Australia. How how can we keep in touch with you online just to see what you're up to with your studies or even... Yeah, so, um, goat? Yeah, so um, I've got um, obviously my ball
0: goat stud. Um, which is one method you could probably get onto me, which is on Instagram and Facebook. Um, We're busy just working on a new website at the moment. But um, for my actual research data, and which I think is probably the more important one for the industry, is going to be I have an Instagram page, which is Peter Nuffield Journey, which is going to be all about my research um, and and what I'm trying to achieve over the next sort of two years with Nuffield and and what I'm trying to achieve with the industry. So that'll be a key one. And obviously my LinkedIn profile, um, which is just my name, um, which people can go on and follow me there too and sort of see what I'm up to there. But yeah, I think the biggest one will be um, my Nuffield field journey on Instagram. I, that'll be awesome to have more people um, get onto that and, and see the research that I'm doing there and how we can all work together to achieve these things in the goat industry because, um, you know, it's not something I can achieve on my own. I'm trying to get in touch with as many breeders in Australia and, and, and overseas as we can to, to see how we can shape this industry. And I want to work with people who are experienced in the industry um, so we can try and achieve these goals together. So that'll be the social links where you can find
1: me. Yeah, 100%. Um, give this Nuffy a follow. It would be really good. I don't know if they call them Nuffies, but I've started to call them that. I see them that often at the moment. Yep. But for... Yeah, no, for, that's the nickname. Is it actually Nuffy?
0: Yeah, I've heard it multiple times now. So maybe it's a trend you started.
1: <laughs> maybe it is. Um But it's been really good to have you on the podcast to just dive into what you're doing. It's really good. We haven't had anyone speaking about the goat industry, uh, rangeland and also stud goats, bringing them together, um, improving them through your research through Nuffield. Um, But each guest I ask, who would you like to hear on the podcast and why? Yeah, it's always
0: a a stump question. I listen to other people always think about it. I had a bit of a think and honestly, I'm a bit of an avid fan of, um, you know, the sort of entrepreneurial lifestyle and, and some of the big names there. And I'm sure many people have heard of people like Gary Vee and, and things like that. Um, you know, as much as this is farmer orientated, what we do is a business and um, what we're trying to achieve is a benefit um, for a whole industry and and for everyone in it. So for me, someone like Gary Vee would be absolutely awesome because as much as his knowledge is so great on business and things like that, having someone like that actually have an input in the agricultural industry um, and having ideas on, well, you know, the amount of times I've sat there and thought, if I could just talk to him and ask him, how would you go about tackling our industry or our business ideas or things like that ag-wise, how would you go about it? and so I reckon someone like him would be just great to have an insight on, on agricultural things because there's a lot of big entrepreneurs out there, but none that really, I think, spend that much time talking about agricultural industry. So,
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree what you mean there. Um, it would be no easy feat trying to get Gary V on. I'm sure he's pretty busy at the moment. Um,
0: no, mate, you're growing fast enough. I know you can do it.
1: Well, we'll try our best to get Gary V. He's probably listening <laughs> again. He listens to every episode, he tells me. Uh, yeah yeah, i definitely get what you mean we're growing businesses um and we need to look at them as businesses for growth driving change across the industry so it's really good to have you on the show thanks for coming mate um and we'll keep in touch
0: no thanks thanks for having me on i really appreciate it and um good luck with the the podcast going really really well i i followed it from the start so
1: um, i'm glad to finally be on it appreciate it Thank you for listening to our 47th episode with myself, Jack Reswell, and Peter Van Yarsville. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Head over to our Instagram to keep up to date and motivated to push your agribusiness to the next level. Until next time, keep on farming.
0: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.